What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Getting the Cash Flow Game with K and K. And today, sorry guys, again, Crystal's on an assignment. I'm not sure what assignment she's on, but she's not here with us. But today, I got my man in the house, Justin Sloan, Sloan Capital, serial entrepreneur, real estate guy, crypto guy, NFT guy. And wait, did I mention that he bought all the rights? to Everball in Texas, and he's building out some Texas uh, Everballs. So if you guys are here in San Diego and you know about the Everball, Everball game, uh, we had the Everball guy on recently too, but they are, they are moving and grooving, and they're going all over the U.S. Um, so Justin is uh, just spending a lot of time in Texas building that out, and we kind of just dive into like crypto and real estate and all this stuff, but – Justin's just kind of like a hard hustling guy that just, you know, jumped into sales, figured it out and built a uh, cell phone chain when that's when you had it and made money and kind of took an exit and um, bought some real estate and um, kind of cool story. But we, uh, what do you know, met him through Avenger Mastermind, another one and uh, another awesome dude. So without further ado, folks. Let's jump in, and you can listen to less of me and more of Justin. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Sloan's in the house. Justin, what's up? What's up, buddy? Justin, um, you're in San Diego a lot these days. Yeah. Why? Because uh, it's the winter. And why would you want to be anywhere other than San Diego in the middle of winter? It's beautiful here. There's oceans and, and sun. and No. Um, yeah, no. I, I've been working with Everbowl really closely, and uh, as we keep dialing that in and scaling, it's been become like a second little home here and getting to see all my friends and you, and you why not why not be out here more did you ever spend this much time ever in like california no. really absolutely not so ever bowl like brought you out here more and more yeah, i mean i've been out here for meetings on meetings on meetings with different companies through here and there, oh, okay. but not to the point where you create like a, a an entire second part of your life with a group of people in the way that i have with ever bowl you know i mean when when i build there's, there's ways to make investments in companies where it's passive and you go see them every six months or a year. But when I really want to pour gasoline on something, you got to get nitty gritty. You got to get into it. Yeah. And so we've been out here and it started a year ago touring as many locations and then sitting in the stores for, you know, days and weeks, you know, learning the, the systems wow. and growing and growing. And then from there, taking that and duplicating it in Texas. But the more reps that we have here, the more knowledge that we have here, the better and the faster that we can do in what we're doing in Texas. For sure. So before we kind of dive into real estate, crypto, NFTs, investing in companies, a lot of things, um, can you kind of, let's go back, um, back when Justin got everything started, you became an entrepreneur and how you landed like here today. All right. Um, I'll, I'll do the abbreviated version. So right out of high school, or actually in high school, I uh, was selling cell phones and my senior year, I was fortunate that I wanted to do the bare minimum absolutely possible. So I was in school every day until noon. And then from about 1 p.m. until 9 p.m. every day, I went and went to a local mall and I sold cell phones. Wow. And back then, nobody had them. Uh, it was great. It was very lucrative. And we were making pretty good money. And so as I graduated high school, I continued to advance in cell phones as well and you know went full time at that point and was pretty good at it. And went to college, decided that I wanted to learn some stuff. But after a few months, I realized that I was going to school to learn how to fix computers. I didn't want to do that. And so I kind of went all in on, on cell phones and sales and growing that and ended up growing and, and managing a couple stores over the next two years. 
And finally, uh, at age 20, I decided that I was going to start my age own. Age 20. It's like, I was like, finally, not, not at age 20. Finally. Yeah. Most people are like trying to figure out like still how to tie their shoes. This guy's yeah. like, yeah. Well, what I mean by, so. What's well, young? It, I mean, 20 to people like it's 20. So, it's so hard for me. You know, from an outside perspective, I tell, I say this like it's, it is what it is. But at that point, the here's, here's, here's why I made that decision. So I, I mean. I was 20, right? I ran a couple stores. I thought I was king of the world. I thought I was invincible. Oh, like, for sure. You, if you saw my paychecks, I was a night. I mean, when I was in high school, I was 18. I made more money than my mom who worked five jobs. And you're also living was, in Ohio. Iowa. So it's Iowa, sorry, which yeah. is like a lot of money. Right. Yeah. I mean, no, like no joke. As a senior, like when I graduated. You're the balling. Day I, the day I graduated high school, I had two cars, a motorcycle. I moved into, literally, I graduated on a Friday. On Saturday, I moved into an apartment, leather couches, big screen TV. Now, I didn't have a penny in my bank account, but I had a lot of items. And I did that for a long time. They say, is, fake it till you make it. Imagine being an 18-year-old kid and getting five, six, $7,000 commission checks. But then the problem was, <sighs> they were gone. Yeah. Right. And so as I continued to grow, so did my lifestyle, so did my lifestyle. And I'm actually really glad because it got to the point where there wasn't, you know, like I realized really quickly when that income changed that you got to have a backup plan. Yeah. And so actually living life that rad early on really affected um, future decisions and the hedging that I still make to this day. Because once you once you've seen something so dramatically drop. Um, you have to find other ways. So as I, so I started my own cell phone business at 20, I took every penny that I had and I opened uh, a retail store and fortunately they gave us the, uh, uh inventory on consignment. And so oh, I, I was nice. able to open this entire store for about 15 grand Jeez. and that was literally all the money that I had. And I worked open to close seven days a week for about four months. Um, until I finally had enough customers and enough residuals that I could afford a part-time ish employee and then from there, we scaled it into a pretty big company. Um, how, long, how, how long did it take you uh, to start adding another store? So actually, that four and a half some months later, I, we were doing well enough and had a plan to get another store by the end of the year. So we opened that store, and uh, by the end of that same year, uh, had a mall location that was... What year was this? Uh, 2006. So yeah, cell phones were not like, this is when you're like trying to sell, like why people need one. They didn't understand cell phones. Like, well, and, yeah. and so the beautiful thing that was happening back then is tra uh, technology transitions were happening really fast. Okay. Okay. So it's black and white screens. Now it's color screens. Now it's flip phones. Now it's Motorola Razor. They're thin. Now it's Android. Now it's technology. Now it's iPhone. Now, you know, and so every time was a big change right now. I mean, I just paid $1,100 for my new phone for 0.2, you know, better megapixel camera and, you know, 0.1 ounce lighter. It, it's nothing. But back then people did upgrades of phones much more often. They were buying phones for the first time. They were breaking them a lot more often. And so it was, a, it, and it was a lot more transactions. So you think people were upgrading person. phones more often then? 100%. Oh, yeah. because technology is moving so fast. Exactly. I okay. mean, like when you, and they were cheaper too, right? When you buy an $80 phone, you know, now all of a sudden a color screen one comes out, it's 110. It's not like making an 1100. You know, there was no such thing as installments on phones back then. Yeah. You, know, you could come no, in, boom. you could come in. It was literally like being at McDonald's. 
$165.14 would walk you out the door with a phone activation your first 30 days of time if it's prepaid. Is that really the price? Yeah. Jesus, he remembers the like the I do because the it was like yeah. order tape. <laughs> I mean, like, and I can tell you exactly our margin, yeah. exactly how many we did a day, exactly how we comped our people because that was important. Were margins better back then? Unbelievable. Yeah, that's what I heard. We I used know, to get yeah. 20% of prepay cards. So our what? customers would come in there and pay their 40 bucks a month for their unlimited time or whatever it was. We would get to keep, we were doing hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales. Holy it was ridiculous. shit. Yeah. I heard that before. But then it all came crashing down. And so like, so Wh- after why order, did that? So the company that I sold was a regional carrier. So you sold the perfect time. No, oh. no. I, I mean, who, who do you sell to? Uh, so yeah. So here's how it worked. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. I mean, life's going great. Crushing it. Crushing it. Income's growing up. You know, I'm I'm increasing my lifestyle, all this kind of stuff. And then tech, as as phones were progressing in technology, so were the towers. And so we went from 3G to LTE um, and, and, you know, onward. But the problem was the company that I had, I was selling, didn't have enough dollars to compete against the really big boys. Okay. And so they started falling behind on technology upgrades. Then they had to sell their towers to and lease them back in order Jeez. to finance. And so I, I kind of saw this ship that I was in was sinking. Um, and at this point I was 27. So I'd owned the business for seven years It had done really, really well, but it was bad. I mean, the company lost in a 12 to 14 month period. They lost almost 40% of their customers. Whoa. Um, I mean, what you, they didn't have the, iPhone. so you're like a local small kind of like a, probably like a cricket here or something exactly. like that. So yeah, it's I like, had okay. a bunch of stores. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I just, a, I was a reseller. It's like a local, local people that don't travel. They just want a local, the best price carrier local like yeah, that. And right we had here. roaming agreements okay. nationwide. So you can still yeah. travel and everything yeah. like that, but we were, the, we were the cost option. Okay. Um, and in Iowa, there wasn't a lot of carriers that were actively building that out. So uh, we had that advantage. We okay. could get into those smaller towns. We could, but over the course of time, those carriers began getting into those towns and they began getting there with faster internet, with faster things. And so, you know, Apple wouldn't even sell this company their phone because our towers couldn't even handle the, the stuff that Apple could do. Wow. So I had to make a really real decision to move stuff to, to do something else. And that was, and, and so I started researching everything you possibly could, right? Businesses, investments, I mean, municipal bonds. I was doing all <laughs> like, literally the craziest shit you can possibly think of, but I wanted to know how do I find some ways to make some income? But it was, it was also personal big cha- choices too. The big house that I had just built, the big house, it was time to sell it. Oh, okay. I mean, because the re- it was it was brick wall, man. It was one of those things where I could continue to um, go down the path, but you it would be running on thinner margins than you like, or I could hit the big reset button and and go all in with making sure that I was diversified enough that nobody could ever take it away from me again. Okay. Because when you watch something that you spend seven, eight, nine years building fall that fast on decisions that I have no control over. Like that was it for me. So Sober, I wanted sobering like, moment. Hundred yeah. percent. And real estate was one of those things where it's like, wait a minute. If I buy this house and I put this much into it, I can rent it for this much. And and if that tenant doesn't pay, then I have this option. And then if if they do and all this goes well, then I get this margin. And okay, I understand that business. It seems really hard that somebody could take that away from me. As long as I meet all these requirements, there's nobody that gets to change the rules halfway down. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we started buying heavy real estate. It was a house a month. And so did you apartments. sell the business or? No, started scaling it down. Okay. Uh, and I did it. And so what's funny is at that point, I owned like a strip mall that 
I was located in and all this. So I had other levels, levers that we okay. could pull. So for example, in one of my locations, I actually gave the location back to corporate in return for a pretty nicely leased five-year lease. Uh, right because okay. the inventory in the store was on consignment the actual furniture itself is what 20 25 grand the store's not doing all that well but you know what is worth quite a bit of money the lease so okay that's one way to walk out of that store another one i gave it to like just gave it away here you go I, like at that point it is what and so at, at the age of 32 for the last month and it actually popped up in my memories the other day um i i Worked the entire store the last month by myself. And literally, like, anytime somebody would buy something, I'd give them three extra things for free until we basically were out of stuff. Wow. And I put the final key in the final store. And the, the and at that point, was living completely residually off of the real estate investments. And the plan was to do that forever. And then I got bored. <laughs> That's what it said. It said, yeah, you said you got bored. So you're at 32, you're done. You're like, I'm retired. Then you realize, wait a minute, I can't retire. This is boring. Yeah, so we're, and, and the definition of retired to me was, I mean, I there was no schedule. I could, okay. Whatever, you know, if I wanted to go work on a house or buy a property, we could. Um, but other than that, if I didn't want to do anything for the next years, if I wanted to golf. I mean, I lived right across the street from a golf course. And it was really funny because the way the tea time system worked is that you would get a text message when your tea time was confirmed. Well, I lived right off the number two tea box. So my buddies would actually tee off a number one. They'd put my card on, put me on the tea box and on the notification system. And I would actually get a notification that I have a tea time right now. And I had 10 minutes to get ready, changed, walk down my driveway and then hop on the number two cart with them. And that was like my <laughs> life for like That's a awesome. year and a half, like just hang out and all that. But I didn't like it. You know, because when you build things and grow things and then all of a sudden it's like the highlight is, I, oh, I hit it to within seven feet of that one pin on 16. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't give me the same rush. It still doesn't. And I. You like to build things. I like, I like to shake the, the tree a little bit. Yeah. You know, and now and, and so uh, it was funny because I was actually playing in a member guest tournament and that was kind of, I started having some conversations with other people and it, it, you know, it ended up with me going and helping a company for a short stint and getting back into building things oh, okay. and realizing that this doing nothing or hanging back and being residual and passive wasn't, you know, there's a point for that maybe at some point in life. And maybe I'll get back to that point that I want to do that again. But we were talking about this at, at didn't like, I feel like I'm in my prime right now. Yeah. You know, and I'm able to finally build a company exactly the way that I want. When we built those cell phone stores, it was working 80 hours a week for five, six, seven years straight. You know, like it's so fun to talk about living the dream and all of this. But the reality is I worked for almost a decade, basically killed myself, then had the business almost ripped away from me, sold everything and to the point and then rebuilt. And like I just it was tough. But through that comes the ability now that as I'm building this new business, you can't push it over. I dare you. I like, you know, I want to know why I bought the rights to the entire state of Texas. Guess what? What? We have the control now. You can't like, there's no oh, worry so about somebody so, changing the rules. So, okay. So it's your, you control it. If we're going to do this, I'm going to spend the next five to 10 years of my life going all in on something. I want an entire piece of the apple. Yeah everything and in return 
I like I've, I've said it many times. I bought myself a job and I commit 100% to that job. Yeah. We will dominate the state of Texas and acai bowls. No question. How's that confidence? No, but that's good it's though. Because, but that's, yeah, it's funny because a lot of people I think that are a W2 person, because I hate to say that, but it's true. They're like, man, if I could just start a business and I would get it and exit it and I'll just go sit on the beach and I'll be good. But I tell people the problem is once you do that, if you actually do that, most people that exit a billion, you know, all these tech guys, they're already, okay, they go have fun. Then they're like, okay, I'm back to starting something because they love to build 100%. stuff. It's not about the money. Yeah. It's about the building. I don't think I'm going to retire my entire life. I, 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 at, this, no at this point. It's so I, much fun I, now. It's, it is really the most fun. And what's the most fun is getting to find the awesome people. So I was just going to plug and there. play into some yeah. of the businesses. I mean, that's how we met. It's yeah. funny. We have this, like, we met at the mastermind. Mm -hmm. I never did a mastermind. Did you ever do a mastermind no, for that? First, that was your first, first one. one See me yeah. too. And yeah. I was kind of like, you're walking in a room. It's like you walk in the room in Scottsdale. You're like, who are these people? I don't even know. All I knew, you know, Kent Clothier, you know, I talked to him. He got me there. And then you start realizing the first times, okay, personalities, characters. And then now we're now a year into this. And you're like, now our conversation's like, wow, do you know the damage that all of us could do? Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very impactful group. And then it's so motivating. Right. And it's not motivation. It's not just the monetary. It's like, wow, there's so many opportunities within a group only of 100 people. Opportunities with accountability. Yeah. Right? So it's one, it's, it's one thing to get everybody. It's so forced interactions is one of the things that this is kind of themed around. These masterminds. Yeah, I like that, forced interactions. Forced interactions. So you, you're constantly having relationships, having conversations, creating experiences you never realized or you've never been part of. And it makes everybody just uncomfortable enough that you let your guard down. And through that, unbelievable magic happens. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly how we met. And if you think about how this is going to continue to go over the next few years, I just, when I was having lunch with uh, or breakfast with Dan at one of the most recent events, I mean, it's 100% we'll be buying the resorts that we're having these things in at some point. No, it's 100%. just, yeah, it's, it's just, not if, it's yeah, when. yeah, it's as, crazy. As we keep syndicating and have people within the groups that are, that know how to pull the different levers. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't have, there is no obstacle in the way of my growth. When I have a problem, I, I get in that room of a hundred people and I stand up and scream my problem as loud as I can. And there's 20 people that want to help. Yeah. Where else have you ever been in that in your entire life? No. No. And, and they're, and they're, the other thing is they're rooting for you. Yeah. Like we sit around a table, we're like, yes, not no jealousy. No, there really me? isn't. Yeah. Which is rare. We 100%. talked about that. I think we were talking about that last night or we talked about the time before. Holy cow. Especially where you come from, like where you live. It's just like people are like, what? You're jealous. You know, it's like, I was talking about that with Ben. Ben came in here and he was like, yeah, I sit down at a restaurant and, oh, what do you mean? You just travel around and work like that, make money. That doesn't make any sense. So a person that's a W2 or this, they're like, that's impossible. You must be a scam artist or what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. You can't do that. That's not real. It's all fake. Yeah. What's, oh, what's, yeah. What hurts is you know, every once in a while, I'll make a post that talks about an investment deal that my friends and family have had access to for years, way before everybody else. Yeah. Way before. Oh, uh, okay. And, and I, I screamed like these this is five, seven years ago. We're buying stuff for pennies on the dollar compared to now. And I'm like, I know this is good deals. You should be part of this stuff. And now we're starting to realize some of those incomes and exit out of those deals. And part of that is that we have to, we talk about it, right? We're not quiet with the fact that we're yeah. doing well with our investors. Yeah. It's part of the business. Yeah. And you know who like likes every single one of those posts and supports that those wins? Your Avengers. The people that aren't even in my normal personal day-to-day -day life. Yeah. 
And it is, it's part of, it's part of the growth. Yeah. Part of the growth is realizing that you have to find people that are going to be supportive, not conditionally. Yeah. You cannot, I always tell people, you cannot go build something or do something and you're just walk. If you keep walking back into a room of people that are not on the same page because they'll beat you down or you'll just give up because they'll just be like, just go take the check. It's easier. Why are you doing this? This isn't worth it. Like you don't know if it's going to make it. Yep. That's like somebody could tell you that now. You don't know if it's going to make it. Why are you doing this? Why are you f flying back there, leaving your family? What are you thinking? And then you're going, no, I am thinking. But I look at it the exact opposite, right? What if, what if we don't? Yeah. What if nobody builds anything? Yeah. I mean, so I've been thinking a lot about like what it means to be patriotic, um, I think everyone saw the clip of the Ukrainian woman that went up to the Russian soldiers with sunflower seeds and tried to put them in their pocket and said something along the lines of, um, at least something will good, something good will come from when you're buried. That's patriotic. Ouch. That is deep. That's a quote. Okay. So then I like, I mean, that's that sat with me for a while. And I think it should for everybody. That woman could have been murdered in that exact second. Yeah. But she's willing and feels that strongly about her her country and her views. And I think what what does it mean to be patriotic in the United States? And part of being patriotic in the United States is to actually take advantage of the things that we have the ability to do that you can't do anywhere else. Which one of those things is building cool things. Yeah. Building businesses, building companies, building people, <clears throat> investing in things, having the opportunity to create and to not do it, I think is not patriotic. I, I mean, I agree. So because we do the financing, just because I deal with people and financials and what they do, right? Um, I always tell people, I'm like your doctor or attorney, don't lie to me. You know, tell me your shit because we're going to find out. I'm, I, yeah. I'm, at, I'm giving you a loan. I know your finances. Yeah. We're pulling back our reports. And so I tell people, you know, we have every, I'm not saying everybody, but it's, you name a race culture. We probably have a client we've done a loan for, but we always have things. And I always ask them, how'd you get here? How'd you make it? And the one thing they always say is, you know, Kenny, what blows my mind is how do Americans just not understand how, what they have? Yeah. Like we come here, we're like, we can build us. We can buy real estate. We can build a business. We can do this. We can do that. This is insane. Yeah. They go, you do that somewhere else. We can just get it taken away. Somebody can walk up and say, our business, this is our business now. Done. You're done. You're in jail. I'll shoot you, kill you. It's done. It's done. over. It's happening right now. Every, all around us, all everywhere right 100%. now. And we sit here and we have that ability. And nobody takes and advantage or of it. Or we sit here and we, we build just enough so that we don't actually have to do anything anymore. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the really common thing. Let's build a business that's just big enough that now I can just lay by a beach all day and do nothing. That's so, true. That's a good point. Is that real? Like, I don't know. I think I love this game of building stuff. I can lay by a beach whenever I want. Anybody anywhere in the world in some way, shape, or form can, can do enough just to do nothing. Right? doesn't matter where you're born. There's an ability to do enough to do nothing or what, whatever you consider nothing to be. I, we are in a type of country where everything is unlimited. The resources are so abundant and the people want to do things. So if you have a vision, like what we're trying to do in Texas with Everbowl, literally make healthy eating cool at scale. Okay, let's do it. There's nobody in my way. 
I can find the products. I can find the people. We can build out the stores. We've partnered with an amazing company that has the greatest one that we can find. Let's go. And there's like, but to think if I was born randomly in a different area, that that opportunity isn't available to me. Yeah. And because of the fact that it is, and it's in my skill set, and I know how to do this, if I don't, it's not like it's it 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 feels to me like a waste. So when I see things in front of me, I want to take advantage of them. I want to do it. And and through that, we fail. We build businesses that haven't worked. We built ones that are unbelievably successful. But you know what? We tried. Yeah. And that's something that as an American population, we have the we have an unbelievable ability to try. It's a good so point. Let's do it. I like it. So how did you um how did you land on Everbull? I mean, how many how many businesses, ideas, things did you like look at probably before you're like and how did you just know? Like, you know? <laughs> um so I never asked you that before. I don't think I really Yeah, did. no, I like I like Somebody that. probably did, but I didn't. Uh, I've I've thought about this a little bit like how it exactly, you know, cuz it it really feels like It's a like, big decision. Well, and it feels like that Slumdog Millionaire moment. I'm not joking. <laughs> it, like, it really yeah. like the moment I ate that bowl, I mean, cuz keep in mind I built retail operations. Where would you eat the first bowl? In in Scottsdale. At you the, were you like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, literally at the stadium. I'm, that's where I met Jeff for the first time. We so we were oh, like, so the, your the, fir- eight, okay. the 86 of us rented out the Diamondback Stadium. In yep. Phoenix, and we're like hitting on the field of players and hanging out. And Everbowl set up uh, a booth. You're like, what in the hell yeah. is this? And this is healthy. I ate, How's that possible? I ate it, and it was like really good. And what's funny is I look at the first bowl; it's not remotely what I eat today, like as my regular bowl. And that's okay. the beauty of the company, right? Yeah. You can have a different one. Every, and so, but at that moment, I was like, wait a minute, like this is personally, this is something that I want in my life, right? I want a quick, accessible meal that's not a salad that has nine almonds on it. Because that was my that was my option, right? I grew up in the Midwest, meat and potatoes. It was Chick Fil A and Burger King and McDonald's. If you're lucky, Chick Fil A, yeah, yeah, right? love mean, it. Everything, it's it was harder, and and you know everything's fried. And is it still like 100%. that? Hundred percent. Damn. And you know when you come out here to California, there's or or Texas or wherever, there's lots of options and there's alternatives, and and they're not just alternatives, but they're easy alternatives, and that's one of the things that Everbowl is. So I work a lot from my home or I work through lunch in, my, in an office and having food delivered to me is um, key. is very key for yeah. efficiency. This was something where I'm like, I want one of these every day for lunch just to show up on my desk. Because what happened was two hours later, I had more energy and the meal was a third of the calories. And I was like, holy shit, like I'm in. Um, and so we, we, we started the conversations of what that looks like. And it went from thinking of doing a couple stores to realizing, you know, it's a flying out here and spending many days going to many stores and, and getting behind the counter and tasting the ingredients and going through the PLs and understanding this and saying, wait a minute, I know what to do with this. Like, and, and so how I, I mean, the reality of how you actually get to the point where you can evaluate a company like that and know for certain really happened years ago. So I've been investing into companies for the last three and a half years and learning how to invest in companies. And then when the real good one comes, like how do you teach people how to invest in real estate? The first thing that I would tell you is you go analyze every real estate deal that's being done right now so that when you see a good one, you know what it looks like. Yep. Right? Yeah, you, you might look at 100 free buy one, that's common. Who cares? And if you, like, this is a strike-free zone, right? We can see as many pitches as we want in this game. And so I created a funnel in the same way that I created a real estate funnel back in the day 
that provided me with awesome opportunities of properties that I could pick and choose from. Well, as my real estate became disproportionate part of my portfolio, I started creating a funnel of venture companies. Okay. And I started learning what that means. And I started participating in syndicates. I was the first investor in Dan's Elevator Fund. Sweet. What's a rolling fund? I don't know. I know somebody that's doing it. I invested. Yeah. And, I, no and I believe in them too. Right. To yeah. learn. Correct. That's and the th one thing I got from Dan is he said, sometimes you invest to learn. 100%. And I was like, so you can invest, make money, and then you learned. Right. And people think that it's these huge, ridiculous checks. You, yeah. Like through AngelList, you can invest in a company for $1,000. Yeah. And through that, you get quarterly reports. You might get Zoom calls with the owner. And you know what you do for $1,000? You sit back and listen. That's it. Learn. Learn. Get in the rooms. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, okay, now I know that process. Now I know, okay, now what happens if they sell a share? What happens if they go do another round? How does that look? Okay, now it becomes regular. In the same way that when you look at a multifamily and you can say, if I tweak this and tweak this, that's what makes sense or that's what makes this a good property. Venture and investing is no different. You create some categories. You create a filter. You have some core competencies from it. And then you go. And so that's what we started doing. And then when Everbull came about, that was one where it's like, okay, we want a piece of corporate. We want a piece, we think we can do rights and we want a piece of operations. And if we can do all of these along with getting other franchisees and these other people with it, this could be something really, really special. And on top of that, a room of a hundred people that all want this to be really, really successful too. How do you, how do you stop that? I would be, I'm like, no joke. I would be terrified to go up against the growth that we're like as fast as we're going right now. Oh, yeah. In one year, we will outpace every one of our competitors in every major city in Texas. And they've had five-year head starts. In the same category? So there's competitors. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. But they've been growing at one or two stores a year for a while, and we're going to show them what it's like when 10 stores show up. Wow. Do they, you think they know it's coming? I have no idea. I don't care. No, I know. I'll, I, I mean... I'll tell everybody that exactly what we're going to do wow. because it's, that's, it's that serious. And you guys can, how fast, how fast can you, once you sign a lease, how fast can a store be open? All depends on permitting. So it's not a joke because here's, here's how fast we can actually do it. Yeah. Let's if say have, if it wasn't permit, if I have a white box location, which typically you could have a contractor do that in 10 days, right? Drive all in the right places, electrical plumbing ready for finishes. Everable corporate comes in, at my first location in Dallas, they showed up Monday at 10 a.m. with all the stuff. We're talking counters, cabinets, freezers, uh, TVs, point of sale, everything that you need to have a store ready for a health inspection. They rolled out less than five days later. On Friday, they rolled out. What? We five ready. days? Four, technically. Jesus. We were... Uh, nobody can do that. Nobody can do that. No. And so that's how we're able to open stores for half the price of the company. Most people are probably dicking around for 90 days, right? Hundred percent easy. I mean, no, no joke. If if I if you gave me a CAD drawing right now of a space down the street, by the end of the day, I can tell you how much it'll be to build it out, and probably like have it under contract. So they have it down to science. That's that's exactly what I've been. And doing. That's how you're gonna. That's how as a company or you or anybody that's involved, how you're gonna scale to what a hundred stores quickly or whatever it is. As many as we can. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It's a business in a box, right? We're taking those points, right? How do we find a piece of real estate? How do we scale that? How do we take real estate through construction? How do we scale that? How do we take construction through operations team? How do we scale that? What are the needed pieces? And keep in mind with the network that I have that we're intentionally part of, the second that I'm like, hey, we need funding in order to get to this next stage, 
I raise my hand and say, we're going to do funding. And you know what happens? It's done. That's it. Next. Wow. So how many stores this year are you trying to open? So again, it depends on, I, I think we'll have at least four to six more um, definitely open, potentially as many 10. It, it really depends on permitting, man. That's really what it's, it is. It is insane what happens. Is it hard there? It's, Texas? it's hard everywhere, okay. right? I mean, you can have a two month battle over seven square feet of an ADA bathroom back and forth and architects and this and that. I mean it's hard and so and then there's other ones that go really quick okay so I mean we so we have uh 11 locations at different stages right now but it's it's gonna be really soon that there's quite a few more than that and then they'll they'll just keep popping on at different times and the beautiful thing is we have the demand from the staff we have demand from the investor we have demand from everybody to keep turning the knobs and so we're gonna keep doing that as long as we can and we'll we'll add more to it and we'll add more stores uh and more to the processes and when they open they open whether it takes two months or whether it takes six i don't care they're gonna open how many think stores are open in the company this year i mean they're already doing one every 10 days right now i think it'll be at least one or more a week by the end of the year that we'll be opening so about 50 store 50 or so yeah, there's 200 Give plus signed on Jeez. um but again by this point next year just myself i'll be opening one store a month Wow. Oh, no. Okay. You'll be able to. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Um, this, like with the mastermind, what, um, and then move on besides all the stuff we talked about, what else are you really, what else are you really taking away from the mastermind? Like why should somebody, you know, somebody be like, Oh, you're successful. Why do you need a mastermind? You already made it. Just what, 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 what is somebody listening to? Why should they do a mastermind or be around the right people? What is, what is the game changer for you? Um, so I, I love to talk about skipping levels, right? So I grew up playing video games, hacker, um, <laughs> halo here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it was all about trying to find little ways that you could beat the competition, right? My older brother would always crush me in video games. So I wanted to find little ways that I could beat him or, or little techniques or whatever to, to level up. And I look at business that same kind of way. Okay. When you get in rooms with people that have done stuff before, you level up so much faster than you ever could. I can, I can pitch something or say, hey, has anyone heard of this? And I have 10 people that have already heard about it, have an opinion that I trust rather than having to go spend the time to go do that. Or maybe I'm going to try a new idea for one of my companies and I can say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this for one of my companies. And two people say, I did that. Here's the best way to do it. Okay. Prime example. And this is what got me hooked to masterminds, specifically Fleischmann's, for probably forever. Don't tell them that because they'll raise the price. Um, <laughs> Wait, we're grandfathered in. Oh, yeah, forever. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, when the first um, one that I went to, I didn't realize, I mean, we're thrown into this environment that everybody's uncomfortable. We don't really know what's kind of happening. The first one, yeah, it's weird. We, really weird. And even the people that still come to it for the first time, like it's kind of funny to watch them, right? They're like, "What the hell's yeah, wrong?" All of us are just hanging out. In yeah, and yeah. Like walking in and suits. Yeah, it's, like, it's, oh, it's the best. Yeah. I know. Why am I um, wearing a suit? Yeah, like, oh, I wore, my first one. Did I wore you? A sport no way. Look back and oh find the picture. Me next to Dan Young. I'm wearing a sport jacket. Oh my god! And I have it. No joke. For over literally the moment that I walked out of there, I was like, I'm like, I've never picked you wearing a fucking sport jacket. No, oh, I had all the all the good clothes. This is what I want to wear. No, as I, I said, but I don't pick. I don't picture you in this oh, yeah. That's I forgot for sure. And I remember meeting sure. you too. But oh my god, so, it's so funny. But uh, and and so, but then all of a sudden, there's this thing called a breakout session, 
And I'm like, what in the world is a breakout session? Okay. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm around this group of people and they basically say, whatever the biggest thing is that's on your mind right now, whatever's keeping you awake, whatever's driving you nuts. Are you in let's my Let's talk room? about it. I might've been. I've been in a couple with you. Gosh, I think it was. In the beginning. And I- I swear you were. I had, at that point, I literally- my, this is the first one. I hadn't even tasted Everbowl, so that was not even Was Jeff in one, one of, of your breakouts? Problems. No, I met him after he spoke. Was Dan in oh, one no, of your he breakouts? He was in one of my breakouts. You're, You're in right. mine. He was. He was over here. You're right. You're, and was, was, Warren, Warren. was Warren Jolly in there? Uh, maybe. Okay. Uh, I think you are in my breakout then. That was fun. Anyways, and so I had this just major pinch in my real estate stuff that was driving me nuts. And the person that led the breakout said, here's exactly what you do. You need to hire an assistant. You need to do this. Here's what they're, they, they're here's the requirements. You're in my breakout. You're in my breakout. Yep. And, and they literally took me, uh, they out of their phone, had a notes list of all of the things that they ask that their real estate assistant do and the requirements and how they've done it to make it successful in their life. I went back to my hometown and literally started screaming at the top of my lungs, I'm hiring an assistant, this is what I need, blah, blah, blah. I found that person. She has seven kids, eight if you include me, and she is the perfect task-driven individual that gets my transactions from, from A to finished. Jeez. And, and it's changed my life. Wow. I went into the office less than an hour, like less than an hour in 2021 and was one of the top producing agents that year. I mean, it's, we kill it. Wow. Because of the fact that I've had a conversation in a room with someone that said, Justin, you know how to generate profit. You need to find someone that can take those tasks and get you to close. I need someone that knows every contingency of every deal of every line item at all times. And if I have that person, I can go do what I'm good at. And it was those kind of conversations that made me realize, hey, like I'm in a group of people that think the same way that I think and want to grow the same way and want to find the things that we're good at and lean on those and not do everything ourselves forever. If I wasn't yeah. in that room, I would, I would still be filling out contracts and agreements. I would be angry i'd probably be 30 pounds heavy this is no joke like this is very this happened in a year in so a so year. so when you say what has it done to you there's your aunt look at all this shit yeah because i finally i finally found like a second family yeah i mean wh like why do you think i come into town because it's yeah. great to have, like why do yeah. we invest in each other's businesses why yeah. do we grow yeah because we're winning together yeah. and also like it makes me wake up and want to win yeah like I'm hiring people in my companies right now. I get excited to get on meetings with these people. Yeah. That's fun. That's that's what I want to do. And so the more that I can have friends, employees, investors that are advocates and that we can win together and we can do this and grow, man. Yeah, every time Kent gets me and I'm still working on it where you need more water. Um, he gets on stage, he says... You know, Kent gets up there, serious face, looks around, grabs the mic and says, how many of you here can walk away from your business for a month and you're not effed? Yep. You need to kill the hustler. You're looking around, everybody's yep. like, Fuck. Yep. It's real. Like, it's real. It's 100% real. And so for me is, he said it last time. He did, he went up there, I was like, dude, again. It's like, so I'm like, it's not that I want to walk away, but it's like, you need to have the mindset. You need to be there. So that's what I've been working on. But you're right. I, everybody I've asked in this room, all those rooms, I'm like, how'd you just get out of this? 
You got to find the right people. Yep. You got to find the right people. You gotta find, it's, it's over and over. There's no secret. There's no, hey, marketing, is there a secret? No. I've asked everybody on the planet. Guess what, guys? There is no secret to marketing. I've asked everybody. Sure. What do you, what do you, I've asked Gary Vee. I've asked Dan Fleischman. I've asked Joel Marin. If those guys say no, I think they would know by now if there's a secret. I've asked Billy Jean right now. So I think it's, it's hard work, but it's, if you can be around the right people, they might be able to go, hey, I can skip some bullshit for you, though. Exactly. I can get you here faster. And that's what you're kind of saying. Well, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I, listen, I'm 37 years old. If I, the amount of levels that I've skipped in the last year, it would have taken me till 45 to figure most of this stuff out through pain and, and headaches and hiring wrong people and not knowing yeah. the stuff to look yeah. for and all this kind of stuff. It would have happened. This, this is years off of my life. To go from filling out every agreement, every whatever, to not even going in the office less than an hour last year, and I've been able to go do what I really want to do, which is go scale Everbowl. Nice. Like, that's that's what I want to do. But you have to get around people that teach you that or that they're doing it themselves and working through it, right? We're constantly having conversations of everything that's going wrong. Why? Because through that is where we get to grow. Yeah. Mistakes are good. Yeah. Like, hey, here's everything I effed up in the last... Uh, whenever I see you guys... Every you know, few times a year that we get together, we're talking about as much stuff that we yeah. messed up than anything. Yeah. This is not a time to go around and glow. That's what we can do that on social media. Yeah. This is a time to talk about what's not working. Yeah. Where's our exact pain points? Where's it's funny because exact- most people have a tough time with the conversation. You're like, well, what do you think we're talking about over there? We're not talking about wins. We're talking about how can we do better. Hundred percent. Yeah. In fact, in our rooms, if you sit there and like you sugarcoat your problem. My problem is that I just don't know what to do with all my money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Doubt yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Doubt it. Yeah. So, which we don't talk much on this show about is crypto. <laughs> and um, crypto. You know, honestly, um, so I should shoot myself, and like a lot of us, 2000 and... Crypto was coming out, what, Bitcoin 2010? Probably around 2012. We were here in San Diego. This older guy, too, says, we're flipping apartment buildings with him. He says, hey, uh, buys gold, gold stuff. He's like, hey, you should give me some money. I'm, I can buy this Bitcoin. I go, what? Just give me like 20 grand. He's like, it's like 100 bucks, 400 bucks. I was like, never explained it, couldn't explain it. He didn't even really understand it. Right. He's telling me to buy this shit at $400. Then I was like, sounds like a scam now. Then I watched crypto for years. I never, I was so stupid. I never studied it. I never gave it the time, never gave it the attention. And that's one thing I've learned is if somebody's doing a lot of things, even if I don't do it, go give it some time and attention. Mm-hmm. Biggest mistake of my life in the past, which I don't do now. And so now I watched crypto go up and down. And then I sat there at like by 17, 18, just like, gosh, just buy some. Didn't buy it. Just watch, would watch it, watch it. And then I saw it went up and I'm like, I need to start studying. So I spent a lot of time on podcasts, hundreds of podcasts and started getting into it. But um, still overwhelming. It is overwhelming. So how would you, because I know you're in crypto. I know you spend a lot of time. Into, what is your definition when somebody's like, what is crypto or how do you look at it? Because everybody looks at it differently. But the average person, they don't really understand it. How would you like dumb it down to a five-year-old? So 
It's not a tough question. <laughs> it, it, it's an unbelievably tough question because of the fact that there, when you say crypto, you're talking a hundred different things. You could be talking tokens. You could be talking. That's why I asked you because you be talking blockchain, you can be talking NFTs. You can be talking so many different things. But I think the the most simple way to look at crypto in general is, you know, every single time that we do anything, there's a transaction of it somewhere. But it's mainly held, that's mainly the banks and other people in the same way that, you know, you have someone that comes in and they present all of their information to you. And then you have to decipher that as best as possible. The, the blockchain and crypto make everything public, but also anonymous. So your, your wallet, your moves, your payment history, your everything will eventually be tied to a wallet ID instead of a social security number. And by doing that, you're going to have real true freedom over your assets and, and where you move things and how you're looked at from other people. And when, you, when the beautiful thing about crypto is all across the entire globe, everybody is a wallet. It's just a random series of numbers and letters and whatever. And through that, if you want to invest into something, you can. Nobody can stop you. If you want to buy some Bitcoin, you can. Nobody can stop you. If you want to stake some Ethereum, go do it. And, and we're, so, we're basically, for once, we're all on the same playing field. You don't have to be a credit investor. billion people. You don't have to have a bank account. Are instantly looking at everything the same and building a network that when... And the most important thing of crypto is that the people that support crypto are the ones that are making the fees now. And it's all open. So if I sell something to somebody else and there's a transaction fee, most of the time it's going to put another whatever in somebody's whatever. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, the person that's supporting the Ethereum network got some of that gas fee. And they helped create this. And they like, okay, that's interesting. So crypto really is a separation away from having things done quietly in back rooms to just being done in, a, in an open and Full fair transparency. way across the entire globe. Um, and, and not having to worry about the rules changing, right? Earlier I talked about being in a business and all of a sudden the rules changed. You know, think about the people in 130 million people in Russia right now who all of their money is in the, um, ruble. And now the entire world won't recognize that the ruble is worth anything. That's not overnight, overnight, literally overnight. Um, Bitcoin, crypto, things like that allow, you know, in the, like what's funny is Russian, the Russian government, they own all sorts of different currencies, right? It is normal for governments to own a basket of currencies, including and banks and banks and banks, a hundred percent, but they don't tell their people to do that. But when they make bad decisions, like they're making right now, though, the people are the ones who suffer. What our government in the United States has done in the last few years by printing 40 plus percent of all dollars in existence is not fair to the American people. If you were a single family that had been saving up for the last five years to buy your first house, that house just got 50% more expensive. Did you fill up gas here yesterday with the med last night? Six bucks, right? Six something. Yeah, right? Insane. Did their pay go up 50%? Hell no. Did it even go up? 10? I run these businesses. Believe me, we're looking at every way possible that we can get more dollars towards more wages. But how do we do it without raising prices? 
And yet when I sit on TV and told, oh, the reason we're raising prices is because of something over in Russia. No, the reason we're raising prices is because there's so many dollars on this. Because gas is $6. Right. Everything is more expensive. Everything. Yep. And so I like the idea of things that are finite and controlled and that the rules are set. And Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and different things are a more fair playing field for everyone across the world. I want someone who was born in India who has no idea of anything that is not allowed to own a piece of land or not allowed to do anything. I want them to own $10 worth of Bitcoin and participate in the world economic system. Yeah. I want people that in their country based on their race or sex or whatever, or that they're not allowed to participate in things. Now you are like, if you have a baseball card and some kid in India is like, man, LeBron James, I love him. If he wanted to buy that baseball card, Prior, it's a nightmare. Now he's like, cool, hey, Ethereum, what do you take? Ethereum, this, that, boom. You could, he could buy it right now from you, 100%. and you could send it over. It's done. 100%. It's on the blockchain, all that. It's all there. It's real. It's that, the whole thing, right? It's, it's, yeah, I mean, crypto and NFTs specifically are the most real supply and demand case I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, it is the definition of all definitions of supply and demand. Yeah. There's no bullshit. Because what happens when people all collectively decide that something is worth value? You want to know why Bitcoin can't go to zero? Because of me. Literally, single-handedly, I can make sure Bitcoin won't go to zero. You want to know why? I won't sell mine for zero. Therefore, it's it won't go to zero. As yeah. long as there's people in the world that see value in something, it can't go to zero. Like they don't see value in the dollar, even our dollar. I was watching on uh, Patrick Beck David. He had, um, you know, talk about the Bitcoin guy, um, Micro. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, uh, Sailor. Yeah. So Micro Sailor's like, I haven't bought me a beach house. The person that bought it for me bought, well, the person that bought it for me, they bought, they built a house for 1972 is 150000 I bought it in 2012 for $14 Today it's probably worth $50 million. Simply because it's demand. Yep. And he also said because the dollar is literally getting de- devalued that much. Right. So that's, yeah. that's how I tell people, if you put $100 in 1980 in a box buried in the ground and you took this Rolex that you probably, was a, if there wasn't around, and put it in the same box and you bought that for 1000 Yep. and I take the 100 bucks, I probably couldn't even fill up my gas tank right now. Correct. But if I have your Rolex, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to get, but it's going to be a lot more it's than be a new car. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, if it literally is sitting there untouched for 30 plus years, yeah. you're, you're getting a car out of it. So that's just it. But the, what, why? Supply, demand. Yeah. That's it. They didn't make more of the Rolexes. They did make more of the dollars. That's the basic use case yep. right there. So if, if we're going it's to- It's unlimited. They can print unlimited. Right. So if we're going to hedge, like I, I think generational, I, I think at the end, like if this is a video game- and how many more levels and how many more challenges and how many more things can happen. And I mean, just what we've seen in the last two years, lots of things can happen. We need to have hedges. And one of those hedges is crypto, yep. is having some portion, be it very, very small, of your dollars into an alternative asset class. My opinion is many different asset classes. Yeah. Watches are an asset class. Crypto. NFTs. Dollars, real NFTs, estate. Real estate. Everbulls. Restaurants, cash flowing assets. Let's do it. The more that I can have, the merrier. That's how we grow. And that's how we make sure that it can't be taken away. Last year, 
during peak COVID, I mean, I had 40 some tenants, restaurants, businesses, et cetera, that messaged me that they couldn't pay rent. Like what happens if I have no other income sources? What happens if all of a sudden I, or now all of a sudden I got to start kicking out tenants and these people that have been with me for eight, 10 years, good 10, now you're kicking them out. Now you got vacancies. Now you got this. But by having other sources of income, by having other investments, we were able to lean back into our tenants, get them through the tough times, and through that, get better buildings, bigger renewals, and, and help make sure that those businesses are there to stay. That happens due to diversification. Yeah. Now, I, I think the diversification is a little different than what your financial advisor is going to tell you. That's the difference. 100%. But yeah. also, financial advisors are telling you, go get your 8% and you'll see it when you're 65. <laughs> Yeah. Seriously, like batch all my, okay, stocks, bonds, municipal, this, that, currency, whatever you want to do. But the end game seems to always be when I go into a financial advisor that I don't get to see that money for 20 or 30 years. Well, guess what? I don't, I know a lot of people that didn't live till 65. Yeah. I know a lot of them. Wow. And I'm not willing to take that risk of maybe I get to go have fun in 30 years. So guess what? I spent my entire life trying to figure out other ways that I can get premium returns so that I get cash on cash and I can still have some fun when I'm 65. But when I'm 65, I'm not going to have the energy to go travel the way that I'm doing and go to do this kind of part. No, let's do it now. Yeah. Let's have the fun now. Yeah. I mean, Die With Zero from Bill Perkins, one of the best books ever. Like our time utility as we get later in life, it's different. Yeah. And and there's nothing that says when, when you're 70 and you have all that money that you're actually going to have the physical ability to go enjoy uh, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And if I die with a whole bunch in the in the bank, then that's not the life lived. All it is is accumulating points without spending them. Yeah. It's funny when people ask Dan Young, like uh, they ask him about a financial advisor. You ever heard his answer? Mm -mm. He says, go ask for their tax returns, see how much money they make. Yeah. And see what they're diversified in. 100%. They should be fucking killing it. That's somebody you higher yeah so there are good financial advisors it's just but they should be like they're investing too they're active they're out there they're making money you know um so obviously this show is about real estate so what does real estate excite you the most not right now brutally honest no i know this is a i know this is a real estate based podcast and about cash flowing off of real estate but i am I'm worried about some of the underlying prices and the things going on with real estate. For sure. So my personality is that I bucket things into different investments, into different risk um, categories. And as I look for things in that medium risk, the things that have some upside, but you know can't necessarily go to zero, real estate being one of those, um, I think that there's some other places right now that have a little bit more upside. Um, Everbull is one of those, obviously, for me. But I think other people should look at other stuff, too. Yeah. Um, crypto is a place where put a 1000 bucks a month or a week or whatever yeah. you can do here and there. Try it. Test it. Open it. I always tell you, open an account for $100, right. put it in and play with it. I mean, crypto is digital real estate. Right? Yeah. It's limited supply and demand. It's something 50,000 new people every day buy Bitcoin for the first time. You should learn about that. And so as we see everything going to peak, and all of a sudden two cap rates on stuff and this craziness, we don't know, in, you know, interest rates. My, my fear is not the real estate itself. It's the underlying people slash businesses that are paying for the real estate. So I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'm still buying real estate. I'm just not buying as much. Yeah. And then th that's where I'm at. So I think, listen, real estate's one of those things you have to buy all the time, no matter what. But there are times in the cycle where it seems worth buying more. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Going, 
heavy, heavy, because I'm already heavy, heavy real estate. So going heavy, heavier real estate. I mean, anybody that's been into real estate for the last seven to 10 years, you are disproportionately heavy in real estate right now, whether you like it or not. Because we've all seen two, three, 500% returns on a lot of our stuff. That is what it is. Yeah. So now it becomes, if you really truly rebalance it in your portfolio at today's stuff, you're going to be disproportionate real estate, which means that if things go down, you're also going to be disproportionate real estate. Yeah. So now is the time to hedge. When other things have gone up, I find it fine to take the last two years, not buy quite as much. Again, still buying some, but not everything. And instead put that into some other buckets. Yeah, it's a, I, I agree with you. I think uh, we know a lot of people that are just all in real estate. We started diversification more. And I think, but that's how I tell people, you have to study it. You got to go spend time. You just can't throw shit against the wall. Hope it sticks. That's why being in a mastermind or something where people around you doing a lot of other things but I think real estate for us too, I think it's a, um, obviously it's just, a, it's a great vehicle for so many taxes, generational wealth, cash flow, all that stuff. But you know. And you can also build a lifestyle around it that mixes in some of the enjoyment oh, of great. life with it. You know, I'm invested in different businesses and properties all across the country and from that means that I can go out and visit those businesses and those properties and the friends that are part of those as a tax write-off. That's right. Um, and so not only do you get the actual stuff from the real estate itself, but you also get some of the other benefits. So I'm really intentionally building a life with investments, with locations, with uh, timeframes of also doing it with people and around people that I want to. Uh, dive in a little bit about NFTs. Um I think that's, I think a lot more, I think some people are more excited about NFTs and crypto right now. Yeah. I know you're just giving a presentation right before we came on here, but how do you kind of give a quick summary of somebody's, obviously I think we know a lot of NFTs, they might implode because people, they're just for reasons, just like anything else sure. would, right? But um, why would somebody invest in NFT? Well, just give a good reason scenario why and why you think long-term it'd be another good like place to park your money. Um, so there's two kinds of NFTs. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is going to be, you know, just artwork. Visually, something to see that everyone sees value in in the same way that you would see value in a Picasso or whatever. Um, and then there's NFTs that are utility-based and have some sort of contract in them that uh, has a reward at the end or a game plan in the community that you're going after. So I think there's going to be a lot of both that go to zero. In the art space, you know, the early ones, the CryptoPunks and the Bored Apes are crushing it, but everything else that's just a picture seems to be struggling and has had a lot of volatility, okay? I think it's absolutely worth holding some of those staples if you're gonna hold them for a really long time. And that's a good, in the same way that people own physical art, owning digital art is also a hedge, okay? So that can be one investment. Now, when you go in there and you know there's 5,900 different people that own an ape, that's good because that's diversification. Mm -hmm. If I go into a project and there's 100 people that hold 10,000 items, you know for a fact that one of those people could sh could shake the market quite a bit. Oh, okay, I see, okay. Yeah. So that's kind of one of my criterias in the art space. What I like a lot more is the, is the smart contract-based NFTs. The NFTs that have some sort of utility to them or community that is trying to accomplish things. Right, I've been part of some, and I'm still part of some, where they're building online casinos in the metaverse, and that oh, through okay, that cool. the uh, casinos pay a residual to all of the NFT holders. 
right? So what we're doing is we're funding businesses collectively where we know a percentage of that goes back to the people. Or it's, you know, uh, uh, a contract where if anybody sells any of those NFTs, then part of that goes back to all the other holders. Gotcha. Right? So it's there's things in there that are meant to reward the people that don't sell. So there's all sorts of things that you can add in there along with live events like Gary Vee is doing or, um, you know, some sort of physical item tied with a digital item, whatever that, you know. And so that's where things get really interesting because now you're actually talking ROI based. I know that I bought this for two ETH and it pays me 0.1 every month. Wow. Okay. That's a whatever, you know, 60% ROI. Interesting. Hmm. Um, now, does it do that every month? I don't know. But that's what you, when you start thinking of other passive investment vehicles, like I can invest into a physical casino that's being built if you know the right people. Yeah. You can get in on that stuff. Easy. Yeah. How do you get in on that? Like, how do you, but here's the deal. The only way you get into it in the physical world is you got to know somebody. I know this. It's going on right now. I've been part of multiple casino attempts. It's a process. Yeah. Oh, gosh. A process. I've heard, but you yeah. know what? In the metaverse, 10,000 people decided that they were going to instantly fund that. Then from those funds, they went and bought many pieces of land and the developers got to work and there's nobody to stop you. Wow. So that's really the thing too, is like with the metaverse and all this, you can just move at a rapid pace. You're not going to be, there's no permit. It's like, you just go. I mean, Gary Vee, what do you say? 60 million in one day? Yeah. No, it's worth about a hundred million. He's yep. launching another one in April. Yep. But he has more with his, for example, if you own one of his, it could get you a lunch with him. It could get exactly. you, but when it's he has events, it. it's going to be the ticket to get in. Yep. You don't have one. You're not getting in. Yeah. And on top of that, all of a sudden you open up your wallet and you get little random gifts from him. You know, he's mailing things to his people. Like he's building a community with yep. inside of his NFT. That's the real play. Yep. If you want a real play of NFT, find the ones that are building their communities. Yep. Almost like a mastermind, but in a 100%. larger scale. Yeah. Same thing. Get in the room with people that know what they're, and even if they fail, maybe you've created, like through NFTs, you create relationships with people that are even offline. Yeah. Right. In the same way that businesses are being built in the real world, businesses are being built online too and being funded through things like NFTs. Now there's the other sides of things, right? There's transferring of property, there's transferring, there's all these kind of things. But when you look at NFTs as a community-based vehicle that you can fund and do things together that you agree in, imagine when that transfers to the physical world, which I think is going to happen at some point. I want to open a restaurant. I could instantly fund it as an NFT. Oh, Yeah. I mean, that, it will be here sooner yeah, than later. I know, agree. It's just a matter of how do we get there faster. I agree. How do you, um, how do you manage your time, your traveling, your family life? How do you, how do you, you know, I don't, I don't like to use the word balance because I think as an entrepreneur, there's really, you just, you just live your life, right? Yeah. And that's why I always tell people, I said, uh, somebody told me a long time ago, uh, one of the bigger real estate agents was a friend of mine, her mom, when I wanted to get in, she goes, let me just tell you one thing. Real estate's not for everybody. This isn't a job. This is a 24 hours. So what you do is you just have to learn to live your life around it. So if you travel, you might get calls. It just did it. So I learned, okay, she's like, you don't just like, it doesn't turn off. If you're successful, you're not just turn it off, turn it back on, turn it off. So you have to kind of build your life around it. How are you building your life around everything else? So I think if you talk to anybody that's successful, they can't turn it off. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know a single person that's crushing it that isn't sitting there on a Friday at 9 p.m. thinking, why do I have to get out just a little? No, like, <laughs> that's all of us. Yeah. Every single person that Maybe I know. Maybe I'm mad. That guy I'm mad, he might, I don't know him. <laughs> like every person that I know that's really killing it doesn't, have, doesn't just want to turn off their phone and walk away from it at 4 p.m. and be done. 
They're building something where it's part of their life. So knowing that, I just, I make everything part of my life. There's no, there's no balance because there's no break. Yeah. There's no family or business or travel or whatever. If I want to go somewhere. All in one. Done. I got my laptop, got my phone, got my family, ride a resort. Let's make it. Yeah. Just do it all. Why? Yeah. That's, I mean, if you're going to build a business, why build it separately? Now, it doesn't mean that you get all those perks day one. No. Right? It means, but that, like, this is the end goal. The end goal is that any time that there's anything that's a priority in any of those, that we make sure that it gets, it's, ta- it's taken care of. Yeah, it's funny because I think people like, oh, don't you just go and turn it off? And I said, you can just, I mean, look, you go, if you go to a holiday, it might be quiet, fine. But I'm like, but it's just like fun. To keep, it's fun if you enjoy it. Like, I, don't have done, I have done so many deals on balconies overlooking beaches. <laughs> yeah, right. Because uh, due to Zoom and due to phones, you don't have to physically be places. You're a lot like now, if I was the kind of person who had an out of office inbox where every time that I leave, I think I like I, I had some business coach somewhere that said, hey, every you, you need to make sure you have complete reset time. Do you know what complete reset time would do to me? I would have a panic attack. You come back from a trip, you're all relaxed to a thousand emails? No way. How many problems would you have? My favorite way to wake up on vacation is with the sunset cleaning out my inbox. Because that is what gives me freedom for that day to say that my people, my companies, my stuff is taken care of. Now I can go. I got my hit list done. We're good. Now go have fun. Because I don't get that time without putting in the other stuff. And the more that the more I try and separate it, the less I'm going to have of the other stuff. So let's do it. Um, before I ask you a couple more questions, where's the best place for people to find you? Insta Sloan capital Sloan capital. Yeah. I just, I got into the Instagram game about a year ago and I'm like, but seriously, follow me and shoot me a message and I'll follow you back. I like legitimately want to create relationships with people. This isn't just some show thing or whatever. This is yeah. about me creating a community and working through stuff that we're going for. So, yep. and you kind of have your own podcast, right? Where you're just kind of like speaking your mind. Yeah, so I, I, I do I like some it different though. coaching with different people. And through that, we record some of the answers and different responses. Oh, okay. That's what it is. I like and that. So yeah, it's, it's kind yeah. of, I, I don't like pre-prepared material. I can't just read, hey, here's the top four things. To do this, <laughs> and it's interesting. Yeah. We've tried it. It comes yeah. out really terrible. Yeah. And so what's, what's more natural for me is having conversations like this. So as there's different people um, that have needs or maybe they're growing their real estate portfolio or they're into crypto or I host, you know, little round tables every once in a while. And part of that is, you know, I know that social is the game. So how, how do I make it part of it? And so we set up some cameras and I have someone that cuts the footage and turns it into things that hopefully other people find value in and uh and through that you know we find other friends that are also doing the same and every once in a while little things that you post or met or at different people click and it's fun to put together some of this stuff and take things that other people see and and whether it's liked or not i don't really care it's much more about we're trying we're out there trying yeah you got to get started right do it what do you um i'm trying to ask the question i've actually haven't asked this question yet to anybody so i want to start asking it is uh, I might have to perfect the question a little bit more. <laughs> it's not a bad, you know, I'm trying to, what, what is it, what's kind of like, what's the game changer for you? Like, what separates you, you know, when you're like, this is what I know separates me from other people. Just about you, you know, you're like, I know this is a separator for me, not comparing, but just what is it about you that's separating you from somebody else? Decision making. Like, the second 
I, I can make decisions really, really, really quickly, confidently, and just move forward. So while everybody else sits back and thinks and plans everything perfectly, I can see it close enough that it makes sense and just dive in. And so, and that's how it happened in real estate. I, I mean, I started and I bought my first house and it was bad, right? And I mean, I didn't make any money on that property for years and it had a cracked foundation. I made these mistakes, but you know what I did? Master's I did degree. Yeah. You got a master's degree. Yeah. The first yeah. property is like, okay, yeah. well, I guess I bought one that didn't cash flow, but you know what? I didn't put all my eggs in one basket. So that if I ever had an issue, I would go to zero. And so I, I, I intentionally go into things head first, but there's always a little, there's a tiniest little bit of safety net if you ever need it. And like, whenever you see things, just say yes and figure it out. Find a reason not to do it. And that, I mean, when I've, all these opportunities that I've found over the years, I mean, what happens if I don't say yes to that mastermind? What happens if I taste that Everbowl, but I see Jeff over there and I don't walk over to him and have a little bit more of a conversation? Awesome. Um, what's your definition of generational wealth? So they say when you when you die, you die twice, right? Once when you're buried, another one when nobody talks about it anymore. I mean, my I really this is going to sound a little cocky, but we talked about it. Had a lot of good answers, so bring um, it on. So with generational wealth, it comes down to, I believe that I've been gifted a skill set that I need to make sure benefits other people other than just myself. And I, I know how to compound things and I know how to scale things. I, I don't know why, but I just see it. I know how to break it down into little chunks and pour gasoline on those chunks that can make things happen really cool. And I want to make sure that whenever I'm gone, that from the hours put in and the years and, 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 and effort that other people that maybe don't have those same skills, but they have other skills that are beneficial, but that they can see some of the fruits from that labor. I like that answer. It's funny. Everybody just answers it differently. Um, Justin, thanks for coming on. Fun, man. Um, it's cool to see, especially for me observing you, a lot of you guys, but it's cool. Um, when I met you the first time to how much you've grown just like in a year, just like I know you're focused on getting into shape and you're focused on like building your business, but you're also, you're focused on building your brand, but also just like all of us, we're making more time to give back to this group and to each other, which honestly I'm pretty bad about. So the fact that, you know, meds here over here and you guys come down and we hang out and push ourselves. I mean, you can ask Monty, my wife, I don't make the time. I know people more. So I appreciate your time. Um, and, uh, I'm just excited to see what you do over the next couple of years. I appreciate the invite. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, years and years and years friendship to come. I'm sure. Yeah. Cheers. We're out. <laughs>